You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. Tony Duchesne here, and welcome to Drinks with Tony. My guest this week is Pete Sue. He's the author of the short story collection, If I Were the Ocean, I'd Carry You Home. The next free creative writing workshop I teach is on September 14th at the Los Feliz Public Library in person. 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. That's September 14th. We'll have a short lecture and a free writing assignment. Go to lapl.org for more information or just show up at the library on Franklin and Hillhurst in Los Feliz. And now, Pete, Sue, and I chat the problems of writing a novel, his conversion to evangelical Christianity, why he left the religion, understanding faith, and how the grapes of wrath ends with a man sucking on a woman's breast. Hi, I'm Pete Sue, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony show! Yeah. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Pete Sue. He's the author of If I, if I Were the Ocean, I'd Carry You Home. Pete, how are you? Hey, Tony. I'm good, thank you. Yeah, cool. Hey, congratulations on the book. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah. And this is and you were saying before we uh got on before we before we hit air that this is your first actual podcast interview face to face. It is, absolutely. And definitely my first live podcast um anything. Yeah? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, first live podcasting, first live uh, yeah, radio yeah. show, so this is oh, all this, new to me. Good. This is low stress. This is just essentially what we do. Okay, well, I'm going to try to sound as smart as I can. That's that's kind of one of my things. Good so, well, that you'll sound we'll smarter than goes. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I will play the fool, sir. I'm. I love the fool. I love not knowing. Uh, well, as my former like writing professor, the tables will turn then, because <laughs> I, I I can pretend to be the smart one. Yeah. Was it what did I do when uh when you were in my class? Did I pretend to be the smart one? Never. No, you're always like exactly like the rest of us I think, yeah. you never yeah i think the rest of us were always trying to pretend no that's not true i'm trying to remember correctly i don't want to disparage people that aren't here to defend themselves yeah <laughs> i don't i don't i remember you i remember you you know it's like you you remember there's some of the standout rock star cool students and the annoying students you always remember them and um but i i don't know if i remember anyone else from our the class that you were in well, it was a fun class for me. So I remember almost everybody from that. It was pretty small. Uh-huh. There was like one guy who was writing a, a robot version of like uh, like one of the classic novels. I think it was like Nathaniel Hawthorne or something. Um, there was another dude who was writing kind of like a, a modern like sex comedy version of like Ernest Hemingway's son, like one of those Ernest Hemingway, like, you know, um, paramedic war hero stories, but huh. it was like about f- uh, So I'm <laughs> saying, I mean, it was like, there's a lot of cool stuff going on in that class. Wow. Okay, cool. Sounds fun. What, um, as my blinds decide to make a whole bunch of noise. There we go. It's windy in Los Angeles. Does that really happen? I don't know. It it definitely happens where I live. So I yeah. live in San Gabriel Valley, and sometimes the like I have this uh, pop up tent in my yard, mm-hmm. and the other day it just disappeared. So no so, way. So yeah. So somebody's pissed on my block. <laughs> it's like it's like it's they, I hopefully didn't hurt anybody, but I'm sure it scuffed up some cars on its way to the wash. And and your wife is probably mad because she has nowhere to send you now, right? Exactly. Oh, you mean out into the <laughs> yeah, exactly. Send me out into out into the dirt patch. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. We got to go to REI today for my sanity, honey. <laughs> well, that's cool. And then after after we, uh, you you ended up uh, part of like the Penn Fellowship and and getting some good stuff going with them, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But actually, before that, like, just one thing, I don't think you know this, but um, the first short story that I ever, that I ever published came out of your class, actually. That, oh, really? that was a, That was a novel class. That was like novel. Uh, I forgot which novel class it was. So that entire manuscript, I kind of was working on a manuscript of a novel, 
um, I don't know if you remember the title. It was Slonky Kong. Huh. It's, about like a, it's like about a rock band, and that's the name of the band. Oh, um, the cool. novel the novel went nowhere, but there were like a few pages in it that were awesome. Yeah, that I thought were awesome in it that I loved that I just could never get get rid of, let go of, even though I kind of like left the whole rest of the manuscript behind. And that's the thing I started submitting. So that's like how I got into pen. Um, that was my first publication with uh, Asian American Writers Workshop, and that's one of the stories in the book. So. Oh, that's it's, fantastic. Uh, it's a uh, penny short. It's one of the, yeah. So it's oh, somewhere cool. in there towards All the right. second half, I think. Yeah. All right. A novel class gets you a short story and it's supposed to be the other way around. You're supposed to come out with a novel. What happened? Um, I tried to write a novel and I just, I couldn't, I still am having a very hard time figuring it out. I think uh, I, I'm trying to write a novel now and it's probably my fourth attempt at mm -hmm. writing a novel. Yeah. And each time I just can't, I just get so lost in the woods of it. So I, I keep going back to short stories because it's like easy to control. Everything's, you know, I can remember pretty much everything that happens in those like 10 to 30 pages. Um, right. But in a novel, it's just a wilderness. Like, I don't know, I don't know what's going on from one day to the other or from one character. Like there's so many things. It's just like, um, one thing I think about is it's kind of like having, like you have to have faith to write a novel. You have to like believe this world is going to carry on without your intervention. Like there's some higher power controlling everything and it's still going to be there when you come back to it. Um, where which I, I guess I don't have a, enough faith to hold on to it long enough to, to complete one yet, but uh, really it, it's, a, it's a very normal thing though, to, to give it like, you know, four or five shots. And then, and then you're just like, and then it, it's, I mean, the only way to learn how to write a novel is to write a novel. There's no getting out of it. Like these people that, um, you know, are like, I get these people that come to me uh, sometimes as one-on-one as, uh, -on -one clients and they're like, teach me about structure. And I'm like, no, I have to unteach you about structure because it's, it's so, it gets, it's, it, I think that bogs people's minds down and just really being open and just showing up and going, okay, my characters, what do they do today? That's how I hit it. I hit it by um, not knowing where I'm going, like kind of having an idea, but let the characters discover for me. And they, and then it's just like, but that takes many pages and I lose so much. I, I have, I got to kill so many pages, but it's just, so, so at some pages. point, yeah. yeah, at some point it's just like, oh, wait, this is where the story starts. And I've already written a hundred pages. This sucks, but you got to write the hundred pages to get to where the story starts. Get to the, to get to page one. Yeah. Like, they're like page negative 100. It's a countdown kind of. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I know, you know, I know there's a lot of writers that don't have to do that and they're, they're, they're better than me, I guess. But I think that's where um, I just go, okay here we go. This is, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. This is how it works. I, I mean, I've tried like all kinds of, all kinds of systems. Yeah. Like, like there's a novel in 90 days. I think it's a pretty popular. It used to be a class in LA novel in 90 days, um, which I'm totally against. You're totally okay. So I, won't, I am. I, we won't name the teacher. Cause I, I think there's a lot of teachers that teach. Us oh no, you can name the teacher. They, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure I'm a huge fan of the teacher. I'm just kind of, I don't agree with the, I agree with gaining, getting momentum, but I don't agree with that time constraint of 90 days. I think it's, it hasn't worked for me. Like there's something about that pressure to produce like a word count every day. Right. That just, I just start like, you know, I, I'm not, I don't really care what I'm writing. I'm just trying to get a number onto my computer every day. And I, that hasn't really led me. I think there's a lot of it is just like um, starting to live in the, in my imagination, live in that world. So a weird thing, and it hasn't worked yet. So I'm still in the middle of it, but a weird thing I've been doing is just going to sleep and thinking about the world of my novel. And it just like, and so I'm sort of like, you know, walking through a, a, a portal into like another dimension sort of, and then hopefully spending the night there. And then waking up with, you know, coming back to, and hey, what did I, what did I get from that, from that adventure? Um, and it's not exactly like scenes or anything that I'm taking back, but just, I don't know, like a feeling, I guess, or just sort of like, yeah. a, like a, even like a physical sense that I'd been somewhere and I know that place. Mm-hmm.
and it'll show too as you're writing. And I, and I that's and that's the thing. I don't like the word count thing. Like uh, NaNoWriMo, I'm mm -hmm. totally okay. against that. It's yeah. just like because that's just word count and it's stress. I but but I, like like for me, I it's just like just show up even when you got nothing. And if you walk away with I hate my character, my character sucks, and you're just writing that down, and you're like I got nothing. Sorry, dude. And that's the writing you do for the day. Yeah. You still showed up, and it's just that it's it's not about hitting you know that thousand words a day or whatever. It's it's because it, that just that's exhausting. You what you you kind of want to you don't want to come exhausted to it. You want to come to it with a kind of sense of joy and urgency, you know. And it's just like, and there's days where you just it's if you get a hundred words in, that's like fantastic, you know. Well, well, you were saying something like about how you're sort of letting the characters tell you about either like who they are or what they're doing. Um, like that's one thing I've been finding out is the things I, I thought, cause you know, sometimes it's not that hard to dream up a movie in my head. Like if I was going to watch a movie and this mm -hmm. would look like this, but then starting to write and getting into the heads of characters, it's changes a lot. Like they don't want to do things or they don't want to, they don't like, they won't they don't like the decisions that i plotted out for them it just doesn't make sense for them so they sort of so like writing it makes it feel like i'm i'm writing a a, a dishonest thing does that make sense like yeah I'm, I'm, yeah like this didn't really happen but i'm gonna tell you it happened because i want it to be in my book so so you so if your characters are going a certain way you try to bring them back to where you wanted them to go instead of letting them take off um, I'm learning to let them go where they're supposed, like where they want to go. Yeah. So I think that comes out, it reads like just much more honest. It's just like, you know, I feel like, well, I know I can tell if I'm reading my own work and like, I'm, I'm, I'm forcing something to happen that doesn't really make sense for them. Yeah. Even if, even if it somehow makes sense for a plot or, um, even if it means I have to change, like, you know, 50 pages of stuff to make it work, but it's better. It's better that way. Yeah. It's, um, it's something I've learned. Yeah. I just, I continue to like learn and relearn. And I just think, I think I'm going in this amazing direction and I'm just like, it's the greatest idea in the world. And I got to toss out the idea because the character's like, no, we're going here. And I'm like, Oh, but then it's just like the character is true and right. It's, it, I don't, I don't know why it is. I mean, it, we're creating these characters, but then all of a sudden when they start to take a life of their own, I think that's when we're doing the, we're, we're kind of writing in the way we're supposed to write. And then it's kind of frustrating too. Cause I'm like, no, I wanted the end of this to be you coming out of the birth canal because that's genius. And now you're just in love. That sucks. That's, that's that I had a, ending to the current book i'm working on where it was that was the end and i thought that was the coolest ending ever and then it's just like no he just falls in love and he's like what yeah. i hate myself for that yeah. i didn't want to do I that i love that because that the ending the 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 first ending the birth canal ending right that sounds like an awesome amazing like sitting at a bar ending like you're gonna you're gonna Tell me a story. Oh, and it ends with him coming through the birth canal. Uh -huh. <laughs> Sounds amazing. But then when you sit down and write it and there's an actual character that's been in somebody's head for 300 pages and you get there and try to like literally force them through a birth canal. <laughs> it starts getting really wonky and it doesn't make sense. <laughs> all the reviews there's like no star reviews at all. It's just like it felt like reading this felt like I was going through labor. <laughs> endings are weird to books sometimes like i was just talking to somebody about and tell me if i'm remembering this right or wrong you know steinbeck it's grapes of wrath right yes i've never read steinbeck but i just got a book of his in the mail so i'm gonna i'm gonna finally dive in well huge like, spoiler alert with this but i think in the end of grapes of wrath there's an old man that nurses at like the breast of a of a, of a of a new mother and that's how the book ends and it's just like what is this a is this the real ending like this is like how you're going to end this but so i don't i can't believe that steinbeck thought that up ahead of time that i'm going to write i'm going to end on this scene of like an, an old like guy nursing 
like as a baby, right? It just, it must have been something that just came through the process of this is the only thing that makes sense here. And so interesting. Then, but did it make sense as a reader? Yeah, it totally did. Cause it's about, oh, okay. yeah, it totally made sense. It's like shocking and weird, but it totally makes sense with the, the themes and everything that's gone on in the book. Yeah. So that's interesting. And it probably like was very distressing. He's like, really? We got to go here. Can't we like end on a mountain somewhere? And <laughs> or like a gunfight. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah, this is just like a strange thing. Nobody's going to like it. People are going to be mad or disturbed. Um, but no, he did it. Yeah, I got to Okay, so Grapes of Wrath, I have to read first. I was thinking about East of Eden, but maybe I got to do Grapes of Wrath. Now, East, East of Eden is really heavy. Yeah. Literally grapes of like big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, maybe that. I, I have that on my shelf, and it just sits there and looks at me yeah. with uh, with disdain. It just looks at me and goes, no, you are not good enough for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, speaking of East of Eden, I think there's a lot of, like, Bible story in that. It's like oh, like a long meditation on the Cain and Abel story. I think really I remember correctly. Yeah, I'd be all over that. Yeah, the um, I'm reading Ulysses right now. Yeah, well, it's, uh, I I'm doing it in kind of like a book club way. So I'm so it's moving me forward. So I'm almost to the end, and it, it, I didn't think I'd ever be able to. What's that? Congratulations! I, I've never I've never made it through maybe more than like fifty pages of it. Yeah, that's where a lot of people stop. And that's where I've stopped like probably four times in my life. And then this is the 100th anniversary of publication. And I'm like, all right. Um, I don't know if you know Jim uh, Ruland. He uh, writes for Razor Cake and he's got a couple books out. And he's got a James Joyce tattoo of James Joyce on one arm and Ulysses on the other arm. And I'm like, I, and he's the reason I'm reading it. Because I'm like, if he's going to dedicate his life and skin on his body to Ulysses, I can at least put some time into this thing and see why. <laughs> that's, the, that's the legit reason to read Ulysses, to finally get through Ulysses. Yeah, I'm just like, if, if he can do that, then um, then I can just read it. And with a little, with um, like doing it as where I'm listening to this, uh, a guy, help, like before I start the next episode, I listen to this you know, 10 minute lecture. I'm like, okay, here's what's going to happen. Don't got to worry about this. You'll be confused here. No, notice this. And, and, and it's helped a lot. And now I'm just like, now I know I'm going to read Ulysses again. I'm almost done with it. And I know I got, I need to read it again. I never thought this, I would say that out loud until 2022. <laughs> but read it again. You know, you for sure you're going to read it again. You're going to yeah. do the whole, like, isn't there like some sort of, thing in ireland where they have a i'm going to dublin i'm doing the whole thing no dublin is on my dublin is now on my travel list (laughs) like a guided tour of like all those i don't i have obviously i'm making this up because i haven't read it no there's a total guided tour and 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 i'm sure the um the locals of dublin roll their eyes as far to the back of their head as possible going here they come again. Another one. Here they come again. Yeah. And it's, you know, and I got like the, the, ha ah, yes. In my eyes. Oh, well, you, you'll have your book with you. Right. And you'll be like, <laughs> yeah. Like marking it. Ah, this is what it really looks like. Yeah. There's a map. I was at the Huntington, uh, the, the Huntington library and, uh, oh, that's close to you. Yeah. It's right next door. Well, yeah. Not next door, but it's close. I, the, the first time I've ever went and they got a whole Ulysses, uh, section in there with, um, original copy of uh the 1922 edition and then like maps and stuff and uh, i geek out there that was so cool that is really cool i'm embarrassed to say i didn't know that i never i didn't know they yeah. had like a original or an old ulysses as wait did you say the it's the original uh i think it's the it's part of the first pressing of um wow. yeah yeah and it's uh and it's it's the same room they got i think they have a gutenberg bible in there it's just it's like the whole like room where there's a lot of uh literary stuff that's cool i should go back and hang out there i haven't been in a, lot, in a while yeah yeah the gardens are so beautiful it's like why do i want to go in there you know yeah like, it is yeah it's you're like, like sneaking your awesome. bottle of wine in and your bread and your cheese and going, <laughs> where are we doing this <laughs> but speaking of bible you got a lot of jesus in this thing yeah i have a lot of jesus in my in my in my writing I, where, where does that come from do you have a lot of jesus in your life 
I don't have, well, I guess I have a lot of Jesus in my life. Uh, there was a, a time in my early 20s where I had converted to evangelical Christianity. Really? So, um, so oh, okay, this is fun. Okay. Now, and what, what, <laughs> what did you, now, how did you grow up? Were you Christian when you grew up? Um, I grew up in a pretty mixed religious family where people practice Buddhism, uh, like traditional Taoism, uh-huh. and then my stepdad and his family were evangelicals, or I guess a lot of them still are evangelicals. Okay. So from time to time, we'd go to church. We went to church up right. and up growing up. Yeah. I think like when I first went to college, I, I didn't really, I got kind of lost. I didn't, I lost my friend group um i didn't really have a whole lot going on i wasn't really into school so i met some and then i don't know if this still happens but back then there would be kind of these roving evangelical evangelists kind of hanging around campus yeah i remember that i i I, when I was on book uh the first festival books tour the thing i went to in 2010 at ucla there was a lot of that around and i was it kind of blew my mind so so as so as late as like 20, so it's probably still a thing now because this was in yeah. the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And, but it was a really big thing. And I think the Asian American community, a lot of Asian Americans, you know, Chinese, I'm, I'm Taiwanese, but like Chinese Americans, Korean Americans kind of held on to the church as kind of a community hub too. Mm. So it was sort of a place where, you know, everybody can go, they can, you can speak uh, your native language, mm-hmm. uh, meet a lot of new, like, Taiwanese people um and you know also find Jesus so yeah I got which kinda, I don't I, think there's anything wrong with that I mean I, I didn't mean to because I don't like I find it interesting and I find Jesus very interesting I was I grew up in a very different type of uh Christian religion but and so I like to explore the other ones too and kind of just vibe it out because you know, Jesus was cool <laughs> He's a cool I think Jesus was probably mostly cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, but yeah, and I, I, I remember from your book, and uh, maybe I don't know if you mentioned it in class or not, but you grew up uh, Jehovah's Witness, right? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if it's. I mean, I, I'm sure there's a lot of differences, but in the end, the, the extreme versions of them are kind of the same. Like extreme evangelical Christianity. Is probably not that different than extreme Jehovah's Witness, you know, where there's like a lot Very. of literal beliefs, like really hardcore literal beliefs. And, um, yeah, no, it, uh, exactly. And also the and then what brings it to a cult is that you will you can't hang out with people outside of it. Uh, you can only do it at a certain level. And then if you break any of the rules or even if you question the rules, you're excommunicated and you can't talk to anybody. So there's a there's a there's a high stakes game on brainwashing in that in that yeah. scenario yeah and that i mean that's that's actually that's really intense yeah i, I like the the church i went to was pretty fundamentalist but mm-hmm. there they didn't have like a specific system for kicking people out if they broke rules yeah it was more like social pressure i guess like, yeah yeah like, pressure to kind of be the same huh and then so, um, so, but you had, you had some experience because your stepdad was evangelical. So it wasn't like you were, you grew up totally Buddhist and then we're just like, oh no, let's go this route. It was the, the narrative was, the narrative was there. Yeah. The narrative was in my head already. So I kind of, I knew like the basic Bible stories um, from, from Sunday school and stuff. So it wasn't brand new to me. Yeah. yeah. And so, so you were approached and you were just like, yeah, let's rock. Yeah. I was approached and I was like really lonely and I needed, you know, I just wanted to be a part of something. And so I, I joined up. Um, yeah. It was also an interesting thing too, where I grew up like not really among, with, around a lot of other Asian people. Um, Cause in the seventies and eighties, like now San Gabriel Valley is uh, very much thought of as like an Asian community like an mm-hmm. Asian enclave, enclave. Mm-hmm. but I think back then it, there was just a few Asians and they were very, they weren't even really Chinese people. There were a few, like a few, the few Asians I knew were Japanese American. Um, so there was this cultural component to it too, where I, it was like my first time being around like a lot of Asians, like, yeah. and, and like really, um, I mean, it, 
thinking back on it, it just felt it actually felt really good. Like it felt mm-hmm. like I didn't have like there was something about like not there was some part of not acting anymore, if that made sense. Like I kind of felt like I could let my guard down a little and not mm-hmm. worry about. Um, uh, well, I guess the main thing is not worry about racism. <laughs> that was like the huge part. Right. I didn't have to worry about like, is this person going to hate me because I'm Asian because we're they were like all Asian people there. So it was no longer. And then I didn't realize how much like that thought kind of dominated my mind as a kid, like just always having to um, suss out a situation and see, okay, are there racists here? And like, Mm. are they going to, are they going to have something to say about me or, or, or worse? So, and then it was sort of like a, a, a relief, you know? So there, so there, it was like, there was a sense of feeling other and then you got, then you got a group. That's who, yeah, that's a good way to put it. It was a sense of feeling other, and then there was a sense of feeling like, I guess, this like part of, you know, mm-hmm. like I became like it was, and it wasn't like anything I had to do to be a part of it. You just had to show up, and I would autom- I was automatically a part of that, um, that community. But I had to go along with the Christianity part, so that there was another othering part too, where it was sort of. I did believe in it for for a while, but even when I stopped believing, I sort of played along with it because so the the tables sort of flipped and then I was I felt really part of the community as an Asian person, but I felt alienated as a person that didn't really believe in the the religion anymore. Mm-hmm. I was kind of but I felt like, you know, well, I have to kind of play along with it because how does someone who's not a Christian um, continue to have like a very integrated relationship with the group. That's that's the sole foundation of the group is Christianity, right? And mm-hmm. if you're not a Christian, then what are you really doing in this group? Um, no, so it would. So for evangelical, is that also kind of like born again? Like you've given your life to Christ? Do you have to do some type of, um, I guess, uh, like a ceremony of sorts, or, or? Uh, it's pretty. It's pretty casual from what i at least from what i understand and what i remember it's just like uh of kind of like a verbal uh commitment mm-hmm. to jesus and yeah. just that you know that like you're a sinner and you you need jesus to save you from hell and then if you if you just say that then you're in so, mm. interesting it's pretty much permanent once you say it so you don't you yeah. can't be like, oh, I know I'm a sinner, so I can go that far. You can go that far. And do you know that, that Jesus can save you from your sins? That's the <laughs> that one. I'm a, yeah, that one I'm trying to figure out. So at what point, did, you know, for myself, at what point did did you start to go, wait, um, this 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 isn't vibing with my beliefs? Because it um I mean, it, are there things that you have to like did you have to as an evangelical, did you have to like go out? and also kind of proselytize as well uh that yeah that's i think that's a basic tenet of it i i believe the term evangelical means to proselytize okay that's like so it's like a foundational uh tenet of the religion so it's like go out and make you know new converts is Mm -hmm. uh, i think one of the great i believe they call it the great commission it's like a thing that jesus told everybody hey go out and you know make make more christians yeah so there was yeah there was, that was that was a big part of it yeah because i mean i used to knock on doors ever since i was like four years old so i was in my yeah. 20s um but um but and then so at what point at what point i mean was it an epiphany where you're like oh man this is all wrong and when i say this is all wrong uh, just on the religion level or on like the bible and uh christianity like how did that how did that um come up come about it's it's hard to track down the exact like you know story beats to it mm-hmm. but i think uh there i mean there are a lot of but well, one part of it that definitely graded on me was when christianity became intertwined with uh, conservative politics so i think like the evangelical christianity of the 70s was like jimmy carter right right so that was like, you know, loving, like super liberal, like wanting to help the world type of thinking. 
And then Christianity in the eighties became uh, Ronald Reagan. Yeah. A weird thing is like, that was a weird shift. So then Christians became people that were, you know, pro, pro, pro big business, you know, uh, anti-tax, anti-government, and then all this sort of social stuff like uh, pro-life, anti-gay. And then weirdly somehow became pro-gun became like a, like a Christian tenant. And this is, and this is filtering into evangelical religion. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, like a lot of evangelicals are now like, you know, big time second amendment supporters. Right. But this wasn't the case until, until it got politically uh, intertwined. I I mean, I don't, I don't know the history exactly. So just Mm -hmm. my experience of it was like in the eighties and nineties, um, like being evangelical meant being a Republican and being mm-hmm. like, like staunch, you know, pro-life, anti-gay, right. anti-government, you know, and pro-business. And so, yeah. And it was like the muscle man Jesus movement. You know, I think there were even like T-shirts of like Jesus with like muscles and a and <laughs> <laughs> just like became a thing. Um, if Jesus had muscles, I would have stayed. I, I just thought he was a skinny hippie. <laughs> <laughs> if Jesus had M16s, I might have stayed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a superhero. <laughs> exactly. Right. Like Jesus Rambo. Jesus had like that, like a red, red headband. <laughs> yeah, instead of instead of the crown of thorns, it's a headband. He's in the <laughs> headband and like a huge machine gun and like a bullet bullet belt over his shoulder. <laughs> so 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 you see so when you when you started to see this part of it, is that is that when you is that when you started questioning were you questioning the religion or were you questioning the Bible or kind of all at once? Uh, I, all at once, all at once. Yeah. I was really questioning like the, the culture a lot, you know, like one of the big signs for me looking back was like, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed of the religion because it's like, these are people that are doing embarrassing things. <laughs> I mean, besides the proselytizing, which is already sort of socially embarrassing, right? But they you know, Oh like, yeah, I know that too well, my friend. <laughs> So that's already like, that's already like, wow, I'm embarrassed for myself. Yeah. But then there's this like deep, like core, like an embarrassment to, if there is a God, an embarrassment to God that you're going to like, you know, attach his holy name to like machine guns. Yeah. And, like hatred, you know, so. I, I, I understand that so well. I felt this, I, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they kind of don't engage in any of that, um, which is the problem because it's kind of cool that they don't. But uh, but what I was starting to see, I was starting to go. Wait a second, this is this is this is hard for me to represent. This is because there's these things happening that I don't agree with, that's that feel wrong, and they're not being um, th- they're not being rectified. They're just like, oh, just wait on Jehovah, and it's just like, actually, that this looks really bad for Jehovah, and I I still believed in Jehovah at the time, so. I'm like, how can I represent him and the Jehovah's Witnesses at the same time? And I started to like get a crack in my faith. And that's when I went, you know, I just can't go anymore. And I don't know what's wrong. I know it's the truth, but I just can't go anymore. It was just kind of like that's that was the beginning of it. And it took many years for me to to like figure out, oh, wait, the Jehovah's Witnesses aren't the truth. And that like and then that shattered me, that just gutted me to no end. It It's. It's it's really painful, and I think uh, you know for anyone who hasn't gone through like a, I don't know what to call it, like a deconversion. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to imagine how you've come to a point where you hundred percent honestly believe that this supernatural being is real and loves you, and you love them back, and go from that. And emotionally, it feels totally real. At least for me, it felt totally real. Yeah. And to go from that to realizing, oh, whatever that was, <laughs> it wasn't what I thought. And yeah. I don't believe, you know, like pretty much in any of it anymore. Like, what? How do you come out of that? It's not. It's like it's like a divorce, I guess. Yeah. And some people don't come out of it because they stay in because they they got it. Like the social thing. I mean, you lo- you lose your whole social net, your your whole social sure. network. Yeah. And then I've known some people who've actually left and killed themselves because they just think oh, there's nothing. God. And it's, it's just it's um 
it's a it's I, I you know people people will you know easily make fun of you know like oh my god you believed in that and it's just like kind of ha ha but at the same time yeah i totally did and you know and yeah it like it hurt me to my soul to to think that you know at the first thought of wait a second no i don't think so and then taking the time to kind of research and then someone told me oh Wal uh, walter kern i, I was I, he's that he wrote um up in the air and um some other books um <laughs> I, I was interviewing him and he grew up a mormon and then i told him about the crisis i was having and he's like oh we got to talk and so <laughs> we went and we went into uh this bar i don't know if he drank or not um but he smoked so i just remember that uh you know it, the bar was empty and he was like can i i was like this is walter kern can you smoke here and they're like yeah yeah whatever <laughs> but um but he told me he told me go back and research the how the Jehovah's Witnesses were founded and or just research the history. He's like, that's what I did for Mormonism. I believed in with all my soul it was Mormonism. Then I went out and researched the history of it and how it got to where it was. And then he's like, and that's when all lights out and I was gone. Yeah. And I did the same thing. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay then. Now, now this the the narrative we're told is inside the church is very different than what actually right. got a, got the church to that point. So I think it's, yeah, it's the same with, with evangelicals. I, I believe if you go through and actually look at the history of things, I think one of the things that they believe is that the Bible is um, like the perfect inerrant word of God. Yeah. But then, and, you know, it doesn't take that much research to find out how they put the Bible together. Um, right. It's a bunch of people, like, I don't know how many hundreds of years after Jesus died that decided, you know, which writings they were going to take, which writings they're going to leave out. Um, and then even just looking within the Bible, like stuff is kind of wonky. Like it says one thing here and then a couple of chapters later, it's like the opposite narrative. So uh, I don't know. It's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why that sort of stuff doesn't affect some people and for good or bad. I'm not trying, I'm trying not to judge it, you know, because yeah. sometimes faith is really just about believing things, even if there's no rational foundation for it. Um, but it's hard if you're, if you look at that stuff and take it seriously, like the, the history and the politics and how, how it got, how these religions got built. Um, and then to believe that what we're taught is really like, the actual like you know yeah truth of god because if i remember right it was kind of a power grab what got into the bible was kind of a power grab in general right uh i'm where, not sure but that sounds right i mean because it's yeah. like how do they figure out which books they want to keep and which books they want to get rid of it's yeah and revelation was i just read this book somewhere and i'm not sure of the how true it is but there the, someone said there was eight versions of it and hmm. the roman church picked the craziest scariest version of it in order to keep the roman the church uh growing yeah. because people would be too scared to leave yeah. if, you know it's the previous one yeah, yeah. the horror movie version one yeah exactly and uh good job <laughs> congratulations <laughs> yes. somebody smart was on on the board at that time <laughs> yeah yeah and then you know and then I don't know if you've ever heard of the source family they were they started in Los Angeles mm -hmm. in the 1970s and um and it's uh it's 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 a cult but i i've interviewed the the and, and it's a dude he, he called himself father yod and he had many wives so it was kind of like a sex hippie cult kind of thing uh -huh. and i've interviewed his wife uh well i interviewed her once many years ago on the show and then and then i had lunch with her before covid and just hung out with her and she still truly believes uh -huh. and and it's and it's like i love her faith i think it's so i i it's there's something about it where no i'm not in but but like her absolute faith and she still feels she's married to him he died i think in the 80s or something but mm. she still feels she's married to him in spirit and she can't wait to be rejoined with him and i'm just sitting there going wow <laughs> cool that is really cool. I got and nothing I, to say I, to that. I, I you, like she too. might be right. <laughs> well, yeah, she might be. It's. It, I guess it's in the realm of possibility. Um, 
but I, and I don't know if you ever feel this way, but mm-hmm. like I still actually like going into churches. Oh, me too. Uh, yeah, I like I like going into churches. I like sitting in the pews. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I get really imaginative in churches. Like I can, like if I'm, I can like picture scenes. I can hear voices of my characters. And I mean, for a writer, it's kind of like a little bit of a shot of like creativity. Oh like, wow! And I, and I don't know what it is, you know. But and and I can even start to feel like, like some presence of something. And I don't know you know what, but it just I don't know. I just like it still. I just I still like it. I don't I don't want to go and listen to a sermon or something, but um, yeah, I like sitting in a church and just you know soaking it in. See, because so that so I couldn't go into churches. Like I couldn't even walk into because that's demonism oh. to the to the Jehovah's Witnesses. Hmm. So like even when I went to uh, Paris when I was married, um, and we were going to go into Notre Dame. Uh, my wife at the time was like, should we go in here? And <laughs> this is after I was already questioning and I'm like, shut up. It's Notre Dame. Get in. <laughs> but um, that's, that's how we used to talk. No, I'm kidding. I, I, I I'm, I'm sure I just politely explained, no, this is a tourist thing and blah, blah, blah. But so for me going into a church and like see, actually seeing a cross and cross was also demonism too, to the job. Oh, wow. So it's like, I want to get like a cool necklace that has a, cro- a chain that has a cross on it. And it doesn't mean Christianity to me. It means pagan, but people will think I'm totally Christian if I have it. And I kind of <laughs> want to be the confuser. Yeah. <laughs> but the, but sit, but sit, it's just, and, oh, and that's what one thing that, um, Isis, the woman that uh, that that uh, I was just telling you about, she she said something to me that I found interesting. She said we need to respect the ancient text. She called them the ancient text, and she was talking about you know Buddha. She was talking about all of them across the board, and then it's just like interesting, and that's maybe why churches like I I have a respect for them because they have a tradition and institution for years. It may be terrible sometimes, but you know it's at the same time there's it's this there's people i guess the majority of people want it to be good and want it to have a meaning for something that's um that's like hope in life and i think that's pretty cool it's it's a hard thing to wrap my mind around you know yeah I, yeah i every time i think about it i keep flipping from one side to the other i feel like i think about well, all churches probably have these same kind of big problems, institutional problems of abuse that yeah. just become like so part of the structure. And you go, oh, they've done nothing but evil, you know. Right. And then you think, oh, but all these people had such a like loving, you know, experience with their community or you know with their God, and that's beautiful, and it's like yeah. it's so meaningful to them. But then you come back to it. Uh, but what about you know like <laughs> imperialism and colonialism and how they yeah. used as a weapon for 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 empire? And then ah, uh, but all but then it just keeps circling around. And I guess it's like everything humans do. It's like could be like totally awful and wonderful at the same time. Yeah, I mean, being in Genghis Kong's crew was probably awesome, you know. <laughs> I know. <right? laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like where do we get wine like this? Like get a this hero, year. right? It's like this is <laughs> yeah. like your figure that's so amazing would have been the best experience ever, and you splatter like you know thousands upon thousands of people on the way. <laughs> and there's that. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that, and that's what that's the thing that really got me out of the Jehovah's Witnesses because Jehovah was going to kill everyone that wasn't to Jehovah's Witness in Armageddon. So essentially, we had to get out there to save everybody, and the people that said no, they were just going to die. So that when I got to that, when I just sat down and thought to myself, I was like, you know, how many billions of people are on Earth, and how many Jehovah's Witnesses are there? So essentially, Jehovah's going to have more kills than Hitler and Stalin put together. So, yes. so Jehovah's psycho. Because that's a lot of kills, man. That's a lot, a lot of kills. Um, but it's not as, so Jehovah's Witness don't have like hell, right? You don't have. No, like, it's just, it's, um, you either get paradise, you, you get paradise or you get death and death is just, um, you know, to dust we return, um, which is, uh it's just one of their selling points they go 
we don't believe in a fiery hell. And here's in the Bible where it says, and it's just like, oh, wow. And then, and, and then you get, you know, then once you get in, you're like, um, well, it's, it's kind of the boiled frog thing. I mean, it's, you know, it feels good. Everything feels good. And then to the point where I think too much, which is a problem to them. And I just go, oh, well, if 90% of this is good, but 10% is really bad. It's too, it's, it can't be the, the 10% is so bad that the 90% does not make up for what's wrong with it. But I still have love and acceptance for people who are Jehovah's witnesses because in their heart, they feel like they're doing right. And they just, they don't, they're not going out there and doing the questions and doing the research. They just, they really feel like they're doing right because I used to be that guy. I, that, yeah. you know, totally. I, I mean, this, this conversation sort of makes me think of the the larger conversation that we don't have that much. I feel like we don't have that much is there's a lot of um, what I perceive or other people, what we perceive as evil on the other side of the political spectrum. Right. Yes. Like, and I, it's, I mean, it's hard enough to have a conversation where with, with another human where we can look at, well, okay, but can I understand their perspective and even see something good about them? It's like hard. It's really hard to talk about this with somebody, let alone, or including also thinking about it myself, like trying to imagine, like, hey, is like someone who's, you know, completely obsessed with Fox News, like, um, does that person very likely have a, have a, like a good heart and really love the people in their lives and care about things that probably I care about too? It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, I feel like, I don't know. I, I don't know what, why I brought that up or what I'm going to say about that, but it just feels like something, our, our, us talking about religion and coming out of religion and not being religious, but having an understanding that, hey, I get, you know, why so-and-so is still in it and why it's meaningful to them and maybe even why it's good, you know, in, in, in their own way. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of, I mean, maybe a lot of politics, because we're such a big country that I, I don't know anything quite outside my California bubble. Um, you know, it's like, I grew up in San Francisco. I live in Los Angeles now. Um, I've kind of just been to cities. I've never really like, I've never even been to the South. I, so I don't know what it's like to walk around in the South. And I, and, but I kind of understand that churches are the form of community. It's just kind of an auto. If you live in a small town, you go to church and sure. Yeah. And it, it's just, and it's not like these people go out going, no, we're, we're, we're going to like, you know, we're going to kill us some like, you know, Native Americans. <laughs> where are they? Is there any Native Americans left we can kill? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're going out there, you know, there's people going, great. We're going to make a meal for this, you know, visiting a uh, guy giving a sermon. And it's just like, they, every, every, it's, it, everyone's the hero of their own journey. Right. It's like, right. even when we're writing, if we're writing the antagonist, we have to understand the antagonist because the antagonist doesn't sit there and go, I'm the antagonist. The antagonist is going, I'm the hero. The hero, exactly. <laughs> yep. I don't know okay. if that explained anything. <laughs> I, I, think it's on the same, I think it's on the same, uh, in, in the same room, on the same path. One of the, one of the stories that I, the last story I wrote for, for the collection was um, one of the, the people that read it early was saying like, yeah, this feels like an olive branch to like the Fox news people, you know? And that's that story. Um, the fatted calf. It's about uh -huh. this guy who, who's a young guy leaving a Southern town and he's coming back to say goodbye to this, his old neighbor who kind of sort of raised him. Yeah. And, and there's a sort of like, there's a lot of, I mean, a lot of my feelings about this stuff I put into that story where it's kind of like there's there's chasms that are never going to get crossed. And so what do you do with those? Like you just you just put them because there's also like bridges that are very real, mm -hmm. um, like real connections. Um, but uh, yeah, so I didn't have an answer for it. Um, I still don't have an answer for that, but it's something that I think about a lot. And I'm sure a lot of people in our country are concerned about it's someone um someone sent me a note about uh four months ago and said 
David Mamet's like Republican now. This sucks. And I was like, did he say that? Is he? And and then she said, she sent me a link. And it was him being interviewed on Fox News. And so I was like, oh, and I watched it. And he didn't say anything about being Republican. He was just on Fox News. So she she took that to be his affiliation just because he was on the show. Like for me, if Fox News got in touch with me and said, Tony, we want to talk to you about your book or this or that, I'd be like, what time do you need me? (laughs) And are you sending a car? And will there be food? (laughs) It's like, and is this going to be an ongoing gig? (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) Are you you offering me a weekly? (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? I would take as long as they didn't give me uh, editorial, um, what do you call it, pronouncements or rules. I would take it. That's like awesome. Yeah, it'd be awesome on Fox News. I I actually don't don't know what's on Fox News. I don't either. That's what. But it's just like, you know, it's and then it's just it's I look at the hypocrisy of like Hollywood, too, you know, where it's just like where, where they have like the Oscars right. and they're all, oh, we're eating vegan because we want to be careful about our environmental footprint. And you're just right. like, you know, um, yeah, look, look at who you're like, like you just look at what they're doing, like in other areas of the, like these huge corporations like Apple and all that stuff. And you're just sitting there going, you guys got slave labor in other countries and you're not you, know, you don't even care. But we're gonna eat. We're gonna eat like veggies for this one evening. I mean, it's even. I, I don't really know. I don't know who's on this list, but on a very local level, you know, we're obviously we all know we're in a huge drought. So right. Water yeah. short everywhere, uh, all across the the Southwest. You know, California, one of the worst situations. And they put out this list of all these sort of like uh, leftist, you know, uh, celebrities and how there's how many thousand thousands of percents over the budget they are on their water yeah <laughs> like yeah it's all talk man i don't yeah it, and that's the hypocrisy that i just like utterly despise and i think because i grew up around hypocrisy that i didn't even know was hypocrisy but yeah it's just like if your lawn is totally green right now and you're living in california you're part of the problem yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i don't know if it'll i mean in the end it, we might be too far gone and nothing's gonna help but you gotta yeah. at least try i mean you gotta give up the lawn it's coming. right no i've been watching i've been watching road warrior just to make sure that i'm ready for when it comes <laughs> right <laughs> who but, knew warrior would be so prophetic <laughs> yeah exactly the yeah. Uh, and mel gibson was our messiah for the prophecy right. of <laughs> well, mel, mel knew all along <laughs> yeah but the um well but what's funny is like when I was a kid growing up, we were in drought and you, and it was, you were never supposed to flush your toilet after you peed. It's just like, and that was in the suburb of San Francisco in the seventies. So it was just like, and the whole family. So if you pee, it doesn't flush. So you go in there and you just, and, and that was just such a normal thing for me. And then when I like was like married and, you know, in the nineties and then it's just like, I wouldn't flush after I peed and it would drive her nuts because she was from the Midwest. And I was just like, oh, I've just never gotten out of that. And then now it's all come back around and I don't flush after I pee. And I, I look like a prof, I look like a prophetic genius. Yes. <laughs> Everything's cyclical. Everything, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, but there's this old, uh, I forget, it's some old psychologist, probably Carl Jung or something. It's everything cyclical and you can only, but it's like a spiral cycle. So you can't, so we're going to cross over the same cycle over and over again, but we can only hope that we're cycling up and not cycling down. So it's kind of a, I I think about that a lot because it does seem like everything's cyclical. Yeah. Is this version of like passing, so we're passing through drought again. Like, is this version of drought worse than the last time? Uh, it seems a little worse. So, hey, we're recycling down. That's that's not a good sign. Yeah, no, I, I I do feel like it's worse, and I feel like there's a lot of denial going on. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Anyway, Peter, Pete. Yeah, either way, either way, it's good. No, no, no. I just I was thinking about you as an apostle, Pete. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, thank you, Tony. That was really fun.
Pete Sue on Drinks with Tony. Check out his book, If I Were the Ocean, I'd Carry You Home. Actually, pre-order it. It comes out in October. Um, we just we just did it early. We did it early for you. Support your local library. Read books for free by borrowing them. If they don't have them, request a book. They'll buy it for you to for you to borrow. That's how it works. It's totally genius. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. Jesus was way cool. Everybody liked Jesus. Everybody wanted to hang out with him. Anything he wanted to do, he did. He turned water into wine. And if he wanted to, he could have turned wheat into marijuana, or sugar into cocaine, or vitamin pills into amphetamines. He walked on the water and swam on the land. He would tell these stories, and people would listen. He was really cool. If you were blind or lame, you just went to Jesus, and he would put his hands on you, and you would be healed. That's so cool. He could have played guitar better than Hendrix, he could have told the future. He could have baked the most delicious cake in the world. He could have scored more goals than Wayne Gretzky. He could have danced better than Barishnikov. Jesus could have been funnier than any comedian you can think of. Jesus was way cool. He told people to eat his body and drink his blood. That's so cool. Jesus was so cool. But then some people got jealous of how cool he was, so they killed him. But then he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead, danced around, and went up to heaven. I mean, that's so cool. Jesus was way cool. No wonder there are so many Christians. 